chapter 5 and verse number 1. So if you'd like to get a head start, you can go ahead and turn there. Uh, and we're getting ready to celebrate our independence uh, at next, I think it's next week. So y'all will have a long, a long uh, weekend next week. And so we'll be celebrating our 241st year of independence. Now we declared independence, of course, on July 4th, 1776. So I know that most of you already know that. Uh, but whenever we declared our independence, and it's not like it like just automatically happened. It's like, oh, we're, we're, we're a nation now. And so that's it. And then everybody's all happy for us. Uh, there's actually a five year war that went on before we actually ended up gaining or winning our independence. Now there is an old saying that says that freedom is never free. And, and that was true during the, uh, during the Revolutionary War. As a matter of fact, I read an article or a, a, a history book about the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. And just to let you know that what they went through in order for us to see our freedom come true, it, you begin to understand freedom is not free. Of uh, the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, five were captured by the British during the war, 12 had their homes burned, Two lost their sons fighting in the war. Another two had their sons captured and served as prisoners of war during the war. And then quite a few of them ended up giving so much financially to the cause that by the time the war was over and even a few years after the war, they ended up being bankrupt. But they gave everything that they had in order to see freedom. And so freedom is something that always carries with it a cost. And, and yet what is interesting to me is that whenever we talk about freedom, I, I think everybody here would say, we want to be free. We want to experience freedom in our lives. And yet when it comes to spiritual things, many of us are willing to forfeit the freedom that Jesus gives us in order to go our own way, which scripture says leaves us in bondage. Now, let, let me share with you an example of, of times whenever people, they, they choose bondage over freedom. In uh, February of 2016, there was a man named Alfred uh, Woodfox who was released from prison. He, is the man, he served in solitary confinement longer than anybody else in American history. He was in solitary confinement for 43 years. He lived in a six-by-nine-foot cell and for exercise, he would get up and just simply walk back and forth in that cell. Finally, in February 2016, he was released from prison. He had a friend. They went down to Galveston, Texas. They went to the beach, and they were walking around on the beach. And, of course, as you can imagine, after being in a cell, everything was big. And there's a big sky. There were birds flying around everywhere. You could hear the, the waves crashing in the ocean. There were children all around him. And his friend asked him how he was doing. And he told him that basically it all made him nervous. Said as he was walking around, he said, there are times, this is two months after he'd been released, he said, there are times when I wish I was still in prison. And his friend said, why in the world would you say something like that? He said, because in prison, I always knew what to expect. He said, I knew what my cell was like. He said, I knew what was going to happen yesterday. I knew what was going to happen at that moment. I knew what was going to happen tomorrow. He said, it was all the same and I felt comfortable. 
And I thought, man, that, I think spiritually, that explains a lot of us. You know, we, we like to be in the security of our confinement, even if it means we can't have freedom. Because, you know, freedom in some ways, I mean, it's very open and it, and it gives you a lot of room in which to maneuver, but that can make people nervous. And so we like to have confinement in our lives. And spiritually, we like the confinement of rules and regulations. Because whenever there are rules and regulations, I feel like if I follow them, then I can make myself right with God. I have a little checklist and I can go down it and say, I'm doing pretty good so far. But there's a problem that comes with that. And we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. But today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see the Apostle Paul was a guy who had helped start some churches in the region of Galatia. Now, uh, that doesn't mean a whole lot to us today, but it's in modern day Turkey. And so he'd started some of these new churches, and, and he wanted to remind them that whenever it comes to having freedom in your life, living outside of bondage, he said it all comes down to the grace of Jesus. Now you might have noticed when we were singing songs, every song we sang today deals or dealt with the grace of Jesus and the joy that it brings And that's what Paul wanted to reiterate to the people that were in these churches. And I think that as we are celebrating our independence, it's important for us to understand that we can also have freedom spiritually. And so we're going to see that in Galatians 5. And whenever Paul wrote this letter, what was going on is that there were some people who would come into the church and they were telling people, if you want to be right with God, let me tell you something, it's going to take more than you just simply trusting and following Jesus. They said, there are some rules in this book, and you need to follow them. And if you follow these rules, you can check them off, and life is going to be good for you. You're going to earn your way into the favor of God. So when Paul wrote this letter, he was writing this book to rebut those false teachings. In Galatians 1, verses 6 and 7, Paul wrote to him. He said, man, I'm amazed that you were so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ. And you were turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to change the good news about the Messiah. They were trying to change the message of Jesus, saying it doesn't just rely upon the grace of God. If you want freedom in your life and you want to experience heaven then you have to do more good things than bad things. You have to follow the law. And so today what we're going to look at, we're just going to talk about freedom today. You know, why, why do we want freedom from rules and regulations? Why do we want freedom from the law? And this is the very first thing I want you to see today. And one of the first reasons why we want freedom from the law is because the law, when it comes down to it, you know what the law does? The law condemns us. The law tells us that we are guilty. In verse number 1, it says this. It says, Christ has liberated us into freedom. Therefore, stand firm and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. It says, take note, I, Paul, tell you that if you get circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets circumcised that he is obligated to keep the entire law. Now, whenever a person decides... That if they're going to make themselves right with God, that they have to follow all the rules and regulations, they they are setting themselves up for failure every single time. When it comes down to you and your relationship with Jesus, if you say, I'm going to make myself right with God because I'm going to check off all the boxes, guys, you're going to find yourself in trouble. And the reason why you are going to find yourself in trouble and I'm going to find myself in trouble 
It's because of this. We stink at keeping rules and regulations. Now, you might say, well, I keep some of them pretty good. That's good. But, but here's the problem. It's not that you need to keep some of them. You've got to keep them all. And, and by our nature, did you know it is in our nature to be rule breakers? Now, I know some of you pretty well. And I can look out and I go, yeah, that guy's a rule breaker. I mean, I can tell that guy's just rebellious in his nature. Uh, now, there are others of you and you think you're really good at keeping all the rules. Listen, I, if I could read your mind, I bet you your mind's not as pure as you think it is. Okay, so we by nature are rule breakers. When somebody tells you that if you're going to follow the rule, you have to do this, my guess is probably about 80% of us, it doesn't matter what that rule is, it's just the fact that you told me that I have to do something, automatically there are some of you who say, well, I'm not going to do that. Well, why are you not going to do it? Because they told me I had to. Well, it's good for you to do that. doesn't matter. I don't like people telling me what to do. Y'all know people like that? You're like, yes, I do. I'm married to one of those people. Okay, so that's, that's, how, that's how most people are. I mean, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, You were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you previously walked according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, the spirit now working in the disobedient. And then this is what Paul says. He's speaking about all of us. It says, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires. It's in our nature, all of us. We carry out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. We were by nature, speaking of all of us, all of us we are by nature children of wrath as the others were also. Now, that makes me think, well, man, think about what it would be like if we didn't have rules. What do you mean? If we didn't have rules, then guess what? You can't break rules. If there are no rules, then nobody's ever going to be wrong. And on the surface, that sounds good. Because the only thing that rules do, the only thing that boundaries do, is they condemn people. That's all that they do. But can you imagine, really, if you think about it, what would this world be like if there were no boundaries? If there were no rules? Y'all heard that saying before, fences make good neighbors? They do. Uh, our, our, our family, we do not have a fence in our yard. What we do have is we have two dogs that are, they are runners. And uh, if y'all are interested in two schnauzers, give me a call. My children are not here today. They are, they're not even for sale. I will, buy, because of my grace, I will give them to you. But anytime you open the door, our dogs, they go flying out because they want freedom, right? But there's no boundaries. Okay, now, now here's where boundaries are helpful. They keep your dogs. It would be so nice. I would love to go home. If y'all want to build a fence for me at night, come on over. I would love to open up my door and my dogs to run out and they're going to be contained. I'd be like, have at it. You can't go anywhere. You just stay in my yard and run around the yard. But we don't have that fence. So you know what my dogs do? They always end up running to that neighbor that you all know about that's in your neighborhood who loves animals. And they think that if you don't have a fence, that you are ungodly. And so they always show up at my and I'm like, oh, gosh. And they come back to my house. They're carrying my dogs. say, you ought to get a fence. It's like, I know. I'd like to, but my wife doesn't like boundaries. And so <laughs> anyway, so the, you know, the boundaries are good things. And what they do is they, they keep everything contained. They keep your dogs from going out and messing up somebody else's yard. But, but the boundaries that God sets for us, we by nature, we, we just naturally break them. So, so why, why can't we, you know, if, if, so why have boundaries if we can't stay within them? Well, because boundaries do some good things. They point out to us the difference between right and wrong. 
uh, boundaries do good things for us and that they show us that because we can't stay within those boundaries, boundaries actually show us that we are in need of grace. That we need somebody to help us out. That we need somebody to give us freedom. Now, the people in the church Paul was writing to, they knew all about religious boundaries. They knew about rules and regulations. And they, so they were saying this. They were like, well, there's these guys teaching us that if we, if we practice circumcision and if we eat the right foods and if we do the right things according to what the, the, the law says, the first five books of the Old Testament, then we're going to be okay with God. We can earn ourselves into the good favor of God. But Paul gave them a good rebuttal in verse number 3. If you look in verse 3, he said, if you try to be justified by doing a lot of good things, you're, what you're doing is you're actually putting yourself under the entire law. Guys, if you decide you're going to keep rules and regulations, and you say, if I do enough good things, if I do more good things than bad things, then I'm going to be okay, you can't pick, you can't just pick a few rules and regulations you're going to follow. You gotta pick them all. If you put yourself under the law, you have to live by all of the law. Okay, now, now here's the problem with that, is that none of us can live perfect lives. Y'all figured that out yet? Now if you say, if if you say, I'm going to, if I'm gonna do enough good things to please God, let me, let me share some news with you. James 2.10. For whoever keeps the entire law and yet fails in one point is guilty of breaking all of it. In short, what that means is you don't want to live under the law because the law will condemn you every time. So what do we need? We need grace. We need the grace of Jesus. Now, there's another reason why we want to live outside or live with the freedom from the laws because of this. Because law, the law not only condemns you, the law also will keep you from God's grace. Now, let me read to you verses 4 and 5. It says, you who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. For by the Spirit we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness from faith. Now, the, the Christians in Galatia, they were, they were falling to the false teachings that were being taught them. Hey, do more good things than bad things. Keep all the rules and regulations. You know, check everything off. Make sure that your hair is cut above your ears. And you're going to be good with God. Now, Paul is teaching, oh, that's not what it comes down to. It comes down to grace. Trusting Jesus that His grace will cover you. Now, I don't know about y'all. This is my nature. When you start, start talking to me about grace and relying upon somebody else... That is really hard for me to trust and believe. Because I just think, that's, doesn't that sound too good to be true? I'm like, you know, I, I've only, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch, right? I mean, there's no way that can be true. You know, I've got to do some things on my own so that I can have skin in the game. And if i got skin in the game, then that means that, you know, then I, that I have the opportunity to really prove myself. But if you live by rules and regulations, guys, that game never works. The law was not made to rescue us. The law was not given to us by God in order to be our Savior. So why was the law given to us? It's given to condemn. It's given to point out to us a need for a Savior. The, the, the law should break down our pride. Because, guys, none of us can keep the law. 
It requires the grace of God. Now, now look with me again. If you look in verse 4, some interesting words here. It says, those of us who are trying to be justified by the law are actually alienating ourselves from Christ. Isn't that interesting? If you decide that you're going to keep all the rules and regulations, Paul said, if you're going to live by the law, he says you are alienating yourself from Jesus. He's saying what you're doing is you're trying to justify yourself and not rely upon God. In essence, it's like you go to a restaurant and God says, hey, I've got the check. I'm going to pay for your meal. And you say, Jesus, don't worry about it. I got this one. I'll take care of it myself. Now, that sounds noble. But basically what it is, it's, we are, it's a slap in the face of God because what we are saying when we do that, saying, Jesus, I know that you went to the cross for everybody else, but you don't, don't need to go for me because I can handle this one on my own. When the fact of the matter is, no, you can't. And if you do that, then what you're saying is, Jesus, you went to the cross needlessly. See, it's, it's, not, the good, it's not my goodness that brings me into God's presence. It is my trust in Jesus and in his grace. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, it says, For you are saved by grace through faith. And it's not from yourself. It's God's gift. Not by works, lest any man should boast. It says, For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus. You were made for good works, which God prepared ahead of time, so that we should walk in them. So then why do we balk so much at grace? And and here's why I think why. Because I think most of the time we, we generally think that we are better than we really are. You know, it's sort of like, you know, I, I think that, you know, I will, I will um, you know, like get ready in the morning or something. And it's interesting. You kind of look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, hey, I don't look too bad. But then, y'all, for those of you who are younger, you don't know this yet. Okay, so you don't look bad when you see yourself in the mirror. You know when you start realizing that you look different than you really think? When you see a picture of yourself, right? You're like, I don't look bad. I look, I, look, I still look like I'm about 20. And then I, I look at a picture of myself and I'm like, I look like I'm 90. What happened? You know, I mean, you, you got these wrinkles on your face. And you're, it's just like shocking when you see yourself for who you really are. And there's going to be a day when we're going to see ourselves for who we really are. We think, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I keep rules and regulations well. But then there's going to be a day whenever you're going to look in a mirror. You guys, it's not going to look all that good. You see, what, what happens is we are living now, we live in pride in ourselves. You know, the Bible says a lot about pride. Just like, it's not good, by the way. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before the fall. Pride is always a precursor to a fall. I'm sure we can all think of examples of when you've seen somebody who's very prideful get knocked down a couple of levels. Now, I always enjoy that as long as it's not me, right? I mean, I don't know how many of y'all, uh, and I don't watch this often, but I've, I actually, there's a clip on ESPN, a uh, UFC fight the other day, and, uh, and it was two women UFC fighting. I do not, I, I don't enjoy watching, I don't enjoy watching women fight. I mean, how stupid is me, that for me to say that? But uh, anyway, so watching that, and there's a, there's a girl, y'all might have seen the girl sitting there doing this stuff. Did, did any of y'all see the video? You know what I'm talking about? Nobody does. All right. So my wife did. She was like, yeah, I saw that. So anyway, so she's sitting there, and the lady's like soon to come on thing. And this uh, girl does this kick and kicks her in the side of the head and knocks her. And this is why she see, Greg, you should have said I saw it. And so uh, so she's being really cocky, and she gets kicked on the side of the head, and she just collapses on the ground. I was like, that? Pride? Pride always comes before a fall. Was literally. All right? All right, now, now here's an example. I, now that was, that was, I freelanced that one because I just saw that um, uh, this week on ESPN. Now, here's one that I'd written down in my notes. Uh, there was a story in the Chicago Tribune. In 2015, there was a, there was a uh, fire extinguisher plant in Chicago that caught on fire. 
And it's kind of interesting. Caught on fire. Oh, it, the fire got out of hand. 150 firemen showed up to the fire. It was, it was a huge blaze. And so they, they came there in order to put out the fire. They could not get it under control. The fire extinguisher plant burned to the ground. And which is ironic, right? I mean, kind of ironic. Okay, so why did it burn to the ground? Because they did not have enough water at the site to put the fire out. I thought, now that's weird. Now, it's a fire extinguisher plant. They, they, they know how to put out fires. They know how to tell people to keep their fires under control. And then, you know, whenever it came to them, it's like there was a, a... We don't need to worry about ourselves. We're a fire extinguisher plant. And if no fire is going to come our way, we're going to be Okay. But they did not have the proper provision to keep the fire away. Now, there's my, here's my fear. My fear is that there are a lot of us who are like this fire extinguisher plant. We, we know what it takes to put out a fire. We know how to tell people how to stay away from the fire. But sometimes we can become so prideful in ourselves thinking, I know all the answers that we don't realize that we too can get burned. And if we decide that we are going to rely upon ourselves and our goodness, guys, it is pure folly. We need the grace of Jesus, every one of us does. So we want freedom from the law because the law, the law condemns. We want freedom from the law because the law will keep us from God's grace. But, but here's the last one. We want freedom from the law because the law, when it comes down to it, the law is void of love. The law does not have love. If you follow the law, the law is it's not going to be loving towards you. Uh, verse number six, our last verse I'll read. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. Now, if you're going to live by the law, and you're going to live by your own works, I'm going to do more good things than bad things, understand this, the law is black and white. You are guilty or you are innocent. Okay, it's black and white. It's not like, you know, there's a gray area. You're, you're guilty, you're innocent. Now, here's the thing about the law and what the Bible says. You're guilty or innocent. The Bible says you were all guilty because we can't keep it. Romans 3.23, if you grew up in the church, you know this verse. All right, what does the Bible tell us? For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, Indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and never sins. Okay, so what's the law? It's black and white. What does it say? You're guilty or you're innocent. So where do we stand in, in terms of guilt or innocence? The Bible says you all stand guilty. That includes me. So if I'm living outside of God's grace, then I'm condemned. I'm in trouble. Now, the law was not given to us to give us salvation. The law provides justice. Now, I'm glad that we have the law because it points out what's right and wrong. It points out boundaries for me. But ultimately, the law, if I'm depending on it, it's going to condemn me because I break it. So if you, if you live by your own rules and regulations, you live by your own efforts, as you are serving a tough master. Because that master, the master of law, the law, it, it does not love you. It's just very black and white. You're either innocent or you're guilty. And if you cross the line, there's a penalty to pay. Now, a lot of people that Paul was writing to believe that they accomplished some tasks, did more good things than bad things, they're going to be okay. If we eat the right foods, we observe the right festivals, it's all Old Testament stuff. If we follow the circumcision laws, God's going to be pleased. 
Now, for us today, that's not really concern for most of us today, but we, we still do the same kinds of things. If I go to church on Sunday, you know, if I, if I put money in the offering basket, if I do good deeds, if I do good things, then I'm going to be okay with God. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but guys, those are, those things do not redeem you and save you. That law's a tough master. So what do we need? We need the love of a savior to rescue a broken people. We need somebody who fulfills the law for us. Because we can't do it on our own. This is what's really interesting. Jesus said this in Matthew 5.16. Jesus said, don't assume that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now when we talk about the law, don't think that we can just ignore it and go, I don't have to keep, I don't have to worry about the tank. I'm good. You know, I got God's grace. I can live like I want to. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, I'm not saying those things aren't important. Jesus said, but you can't fulfill it. So Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law. Jesus said, I came to fulfill it for you. So that when you trust in me, I fulfill the law for you by the way I have lived, by the way I have acted. Now, now why did Jesus want to fulfill the law? So that he could make us righteous through his works. 1 Corinthians 1.30. It says, but it's from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became God-given wisdom for us. He's our righteousness. He's our sanctification. He's our redemption. Now, why would Jesus do that for us? Do something like that for us? It's simple. Because he loves us. The law does not love. Jesus loves Jesus, when he looks at you, he does not want to see you condemned. Second Peter 3, 9 says the Lord doesn't delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but he desires for all to come to repentance. I love that. God is not sitting up in heaven with a billy club, saying, I can't wait for you to make a mistake so I can slug you in the side of a head with a stick. That's not God. God wants you to have freedom. God wants you to experience joy. He doesn't want you to live in bondage. He wants you to trust Him and allow Him to pay your way so that you can be free. You know, I think one of the biggest deceptions that goes on in Christianity today is us thinking that we are in charge of our own salvation. If I do more good things than bad things, then I'm going to be okay. It's a huge deception that we've been taught and that we believe in. The problem is we can never do enough good things to erase the bad. What do we need? God, we, we need grace. We need a Savior. We want freedom from the law because the law condemns us. It keeps us from grace. And the law, it is void of love. So the law makes us hopeless, but the good news is that Jesus came to fulfill the law to give you and me freedom. So here's the question. You want to live by your works, by what you do, or do you want to live trusting in what Jesus has done? I know this. I, you know what? I've done some pretty good things. Every once in a while, I do some good things, but I know me. I know some stuff I have done. And I think, you know what, I don't deserve anything but judgment. I deserve the judgment of God. But Jesus loves me. And Jesus wants me to have freedom. And I can have it, and you can have it, 
when we trust, when I trust him and say, Jesus, I am a broken, messed up sinner. But I'm trusting in you. And you know what Jesus says he'll do? Forgive you. The Bible says in Psalm 103.12, As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. He forgives sin. He gives grace. At this time, I'd like for us to bow our heads and close our eyes, and we're concluding the service at this time. I'd just like to conclude it with, with, you, with you just simply talking to God and maybe just even contemplating some things about your own life and where you are in your, in your walk with Jesus. And it could be there's some of you today, and you say, you know what, I have, I have been living according to my works. I'm believing and striving to keep all the rules and regulations. And guys, if, if that's you, that, that will wear you out. So, you know, I just can't do it. There's just stuff I keep doing over and over again that falls outside of God's boundaries. And, and I need to experience the grace of Christ. Where you are, I, I, why don't you just simply talk to Jesus and pray to him. You can pray to him silently and he hears you. Just simply say, Jesus, I need you. And Jesus, I'm trying, to, I'm, trying to keep all, I'm trying to keep all the plates spinning. God, I can't do it. I can keep a couple of them up in the air, but there's others just come crashing to the ground. Jesus, I, I need you to keep it all. I need you to keep all the plates spinning for me. I can't do it. Jesus, forgive me. 